If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneur experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or are looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of The Bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of The Bunker Labs branding team. On this episode of The Transition, I give you some advice on how to acquire your first 100 customers. For the first 100, sales and marketing go hand in hand in order to validate your business model, generate monthly recurring revenue, and maintain a constant feedback loop. I share with you a roadmap to keep things simple and what to focus on. Before you hear from me, make sure you subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. I send out a newsletter at least once a week, and if there's topics you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, feel free to shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org. Also, check out the official 2021 Bunker Labs Holiday Gift Guide, which features over 50 veteran or military spouse-owned businesses, many with promo codes for holiday savings. You can also access the guide at the link in the show notes. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by the MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, the foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. What is going on, Bunker? This is Iron Mike Stedman, and today we're going to be talking about how to acquire your first 100 customers. I got a warm cup of coffee here. I got my water bottle. I'm fired up and ready to get into it. So one of the reasons I want to record this podcast episode for y'all is because I have my ear to the dirt in a lot of these programs for early stage founders, particularly within the bunker. I understand that a lot of you all out there are struggling with going to market, right? You don't know whether or not you should post on social media, record videos, go do pop-ups, et cetera, all this different stuff, right? And it can be kind of overwhelming when you're first starting out. So what I wanted to do is just take a time to take it back from the beginning and let's actually think through how we go to market and how we get those first hundred customers. So one of the things that you'll always hear me emphasizing on this podcast is making sure you're identifying a market need and not something that you're basing off of purely assumptions, but something that you validated. Because here's what I'm going to tell you, no matter how good your product or service may be, if there's no market need, i.e. there's no demand for what you're selling, right? You will always swim upstream. An example I can give give is when we think about Zoom, right? Zoom was this platform that was already out there. A lot of people were already using it, you know, even before the pandemic. But once the pandemic hit, right, and everything went virtual, right, there was so much demand for how we're going to do remote meetings, how people are going to wor work remotely, that Zoom just kind of took off. And stuff started breaking, right? They were having to fix things behind the scenes. They had all these different security issues but there's one thing that nobody can disagree on. And it was that there was a market need for Zoom's product, right? And when you find that market need, it's you're gonna feel this, this growth, right? Because it's just gonna feel like things are taking off, right? You're not gonna have to force it on the market as much. And I've learned this the hard way, right? I've spent time trying to swim upstream, selling products or services that people don't want. But now I think with this market first mentality, and I just wanna make sure that you all are also thinking with this market first mentality. And the simplest way to do so is look for opportunities where people are already spending money in your identified industry, in your identified niche, 
okay? Validate that they're willing to pay you for your product or service, and that's just by not asking if this is a good idea, getting out there and selling, right? So you start getting some paying customers, right? And then the other thing is carving out your own niche, making you, you know, the go-to guy, the category one in this particular niche, okay? And uh, a simple way to do that is damming the demand. So, you know, you set up a dam, like there's water running downstream, and then you set up a dam and it kind of turns some of that water off into a different direction. That's what we want to think about doing if we're a bootstrapped entrepreneur. Like I'm a bootstrapped entrepreneur. I don't have the capital to go ahead and just force a new um, a market, right? I can carve out a market. I can kind of make out my own niche. But in terms of making people see why this is valuable, why they need this, when you're first starting out, you don't have time to do that. What you need to do is look for opportunities where people are already spending money and and damn that demand towards you and carving out your own niche, okay? So that's what I want you to do as far as thinking market first. And again, I want to make sure that you've validated your business model, that you've been able to sell at least one customer, right, that has paid you ideally a premium for your product or service. That way you have something that you know people want, okay? So that's where I want you to start. The next phase of this is what we're going to do is we're going to break down that traditional uh, marketing funnel, okay? So when you think of the marketing funnel, right, it's just a funnel and it has awareness at the top of the funnel. Then there's this nurture leads part and then you want to identify potential customers and then you want to close those customers. And the idea behind the marketing funnel is that you're going to have people come through each phase. And so when people say, oh, okay, I just launched a business, then I want to post on social media or I want to create a blog or I want to start a podcast. I want to do all these different things, right? A lot of times the assumption is that I need to get out there and I need to create awareness for my business, for my venture. And then eventually after we have awareness, I need to get out there, get my name out there and start pulling people in and eventually convert them. What I have learned the hard way with a lot of blood, sweat and tears is that this is a bad idea. And here's the reason. Okay, what you need to do is you need to start by figuring out who already has the problem that your venture is uniquely positioned to solve, is already spending money to solve it, and is looking for better solutions or more efficient solutions to that problem, right? And so what that is going to look like is instead of focused on generating awareness, what we're focused on is going out there and closing sales and putting money in the bank account. That way we're not going to risk being undercapitalized and we're going to be focused on the things that matter the most. Because early on when you're starting out, a lot of times, right, like, you know, we're up against the clock. You know, if you're bootstrapping, you know, you don't have a lot of money, you know, you don't got a big friends and family rounds, you're not a venture back comp- venture back startup, right? You know, money in the bank account is how we're going to be able to build these businesses, all right? And I'm going to argue this. Even if you're an early stage startup, having traction is one of the best things you can do for your venture because it's going to show market demand to potential investors and it's going to make it real for you and it's going to make it real for them. What we want to do is we want to get out of this assumption phase and we want to have data and data is going to come from that feedback loop of selling and having money in the bank account. Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to flip that sales funnel upside down. You're not going to worry about awareness yet. Okay. Keyword yet. What we're going to do is we need to go and we need to close hard sales. All right. Now, what you need to think about too is, okay, I'm getting started. Where are these first group of sales going to come from? 
more often than not, it's going to come from some existing relationships that you already have, an existing network that you already have. In my case, the Service Academy Network, right? I'm a Naval Academy graduate. I have a business coach who's an Academy grad from West Point. So that's the space I move in. I'm constantly interacting with Service Academy grads. So when they start thinking about podcasting or they think about marketing and branding, right, I'm a name that pops up for a lot of them. So it makes sense for me to go directly to other academy grads to figure out about what kind of problems they're facing in their business. If what I'm offering is a viable solution and go ahead and close them. But even better yet, when I see academy grads that are like, Hey, I need a podcast or I need some help with my marketing and branding. Boom. I go straight to them, but that's a network I have in. And when you think about that network, right? Not only do I have a tactical advantage being a service academy grad myself, but then you also want to think about, How can I build a moat around this? And what I mean by moat is what makes it difficult for someone else to come compete and serve this particular market, this particular industry, right? And it can be a location-based play, right? It can be the fact that like you sell a unique uh, uh, product. So I had a coaching call with someone that is um, selling coffee. uh, Her name is Katina and she started a company called American Force Coffee. And she's trying to carve out her niche um, in the coffee space, and she's based in the DMV. And what I told her was, I was like, listen, there's a lot of Brovet coffee brands out there already. I'm involved with quite a few, to be honest. But one of the things that she fails to really focus on is the fact that she sells Guatemalan coffee and also the fact that she is Guatemalan. And I told her that you have a, that's your moat. One, you're already, you're Guatemalan and you sell Guatemalan coffee and you're based in the DMV area. Right. So that is a unique that's a new, unique play. Like if I want to, to source Guatemala coffee from someone. Right. And let's say they go to my university. So she went to SCAD University um, in Savannah, Georgia, which is like a design school. Right. If she only focused on selling to SCAD alumni at first. Right. That is such a strong competitive advantage. That's a strong market that she's able to go after that. She has a moat around being the fact that she's a SCAD alumni. She has a Guatemalan coffee brand. And she just has a lot of stuff playing in her favor. So what we want to do is want to think about what are opportunities where we can put things in our favor, right? And like selling, when you're going out into the marketplace, right? Like, yeah, it's all nice and dandy to think that all these people who've never heard of us are all of a sudden going to come and purchase our products or services. But the reality of it is, it's going to come from like within our own network and our extended network. So that's what I want you to think about. Start looking internally and say, okay, What communities am I part of? What existing relationships do I already have? And how can I be of value to this community? And if you're not necessarily in a community yet, right, how about you go find out an opportunity to join and immerse yourself in that community? So if you're selling coffee, you know, and it's a premium coffee at a premium price point, right, where are these people already spending their time? When you're first starting out, you don't have time to sell people on, oh, why they should spend $20 for a bag of coffee. Right. What you need to do is find people who are already looking for premium, high quality coffee. They're probably subscribed to magazines. They probably listen to podcasts. They go to taste things. They do all this different kind of stuff. Those are the people that we want to go after when you're first starting out. Right. Have the problem. Know they have the problem. Actively spend a solution to the problem and are looking for more efficient ways uh, to solve it for them. Right. And what you're going to do, what you're going to start finding out is. As you get out there and start selling, right, now you're going to have paying customers. You're going to have money in a bank account. 
You're going to have the feedbacks. You're going to have a better understanding of what's working, what's not working from a messaging perspective. And now what you're going to be able to do is you're going to be able to have customers that you can actually market, right? So there's this play called user-generated content. So the old way was, oh, I want to, you know, take photos of my coffee and put on my social media, right? The new way is engage your audience, engage your customers, asking them to send you photos, to tag you in posts, to do all these other things for you, to show other people within their own network in an, in an attempt to activate their network by posting photos, sending you videos, all that kind of stuff, right? So your first 10, right, really your first 10 is like a bloodbath, right? It's just hustling, man. You got to get out there. You got to hustle, but you want to hustle in a strategic way. You don't want to put yourself in a position where people have no desire to buy from you. You want to find those opportunities where people are already buying. And uh, think about the guy at a 7-Eleven handing out front, selling his mixtape, right? He's trying to get you to listen to his album, purchase his mixtape, right? Good hustle, but probably not a good location because if I'm going in 7-Eleven, I'm not really interested in listening to mixtape. But if I'm going to an album release party or I'm outside of a record studio or somewhere where I want to listen to music, you know, um, that would make a better play than just standing on the corner or interrupt me. That's not what we're going for. We're not trying to interrupt people. We're trying to get in front of people that are already looking for the solution. And so as you start closing deals, right, for one customer, second customer, et cetera, working way up to 10, now what you're doing is you're marketing this stuff simultaneously through user-generated content. You're posting about what you're doing. You're, you're telling people about some of your amazing clients and customers, and now you're starting to build out that marketing pay, that marketing uh, play concurrently as you're driving sales. And I hope by this point you realize that those first 100 customers, sales and marketing really go hand in hand. And I'm going to assume that a lot of you all out there may or may not have a big team. You might be like you and a co-founder or you as a solo entrepreneur, which means that you're going to have to drive sales. You're going to have to drive that revenue, right? And early on, it goes hand in hand. Here's another mindset, a mentality I want you to think about. Business is a contact sport, right? <laughs> I'm trademarking this, y'all. I'm just letting you know, but it really is, right? I, I like when I'm talking to entrepreneurs and I'm hearing that people are like just hiding behind social media that, and it's, it's partly because our world has made us feel that it's this way. You know, that we can just come up with a business idea. We can sit behind social media, post on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera. And the leads are just going to come our way. Or we can, you know, take some money and run some ads and have all this other stuff. Just make it so easy. But you guys got to remember, man, the Internet is hella noisy, right? There's a lot of chaos out there. You know, people are always trying to get sold on something. And that's to me, in my opinion, that's just a bad business strategy to start out with. Right. Maybe after you have a brand identity out there and people recognize you, maybe you can start thinking about running some ads. But I've just I'm, I'm just talking about my immediate circle, the entrepreneurs I talk to, the military spouses I talk to. A lot of times they're frustrated by their ad spend in the early phases because they're just not getting that monthly recurring revenue that they're wanting. Right. They're like, I need more sales. It's just not working. I'm getting all this traffic on my website, but it's not converting. And I'm here to tell you why it's not converting because it's a lot of noise. What we need to do is we need to get out there and we need to look people in the eye and we need to close them. OK, my girlfriend, she does a lot of pop ups in the New York City metro area, uh, particularly in um, Brooklyn um, and, uh, you know, Manhattan, et cetera. And when she does these in-person pop ups, right, she closes a lot. She sells a lot. But whenever she gets behind a computer screen, 
not the same way. Um, and it goes back to what I'm saying is that like business is a context for you got to get out there, got to look people in the eye and you got to start to figure out how you can build your tribe, how you can build that brand credibility with people who are already purchasing and buying from you. All right. I was terrified of selling. I'm telling you, right. I used to be terrified of selling, but I have learned the hard way that selling is really just about figuring out ways to help people. And you can make it simpler for people by having a process for closing sales and closing deals. So you don't make it too easy for them. If you're a consultant, right, or you're selling some kind of high-end service, right, you might have think about, you know, scheduling a consultation, first step. Then, you know, we take you through our framework, whatever. Then you purchase your package. Just think about how to map out your process. And Donald Miller has a book called Building a Story Brand where he gives you this amazing framework for how to do that, right, how to be the guide for your customer. So check that book out. But even if you're selling a product, right, whether you're selling a consultant services or whatnot, but even if you're selling a product, have that process mapped out. Have it down somewhere. You know, step one, go to our website. Step two, purchase one of our products. Step three, we'll send it to you within, you know, 48 hours or two weeks or whatever, whatever, et cetera, and then leave a review. Just really think through uh, this process. And that way, when you get in front of a client, right, that warm hard customers like, Hey, I'm interested in purchasing. When can we meet? When can we talk? Right. You're not coming in raggedy. You actually have a plan for them. Right. And that way you want to close them. One of the things that got me up again was uh, my business coach, Bill Watkins, who I had on the podcast. And uh, he used to tell me, Mike, slick your hair back, comb your beard, get out there, start selling, start closing deals. There's no other way. And a lot of us, you know, we think we can sugar, we can shortcut this, that we don't have to get out there and sell, but that's just not the reality. You got to get out there and you got to start making contact with your clients. And I will even argue this, right? I know y'all are like, well, Mike, what about SEO? What about all these other things? You know, um, I'm not that guy, right? Like I don't have a tech startup. Technically I do actually have a podcast agency, but I have a bootstrap business and I just have a different approach, right? I think you can do the SEO stuff concurrently, right? So this, you can update the Yelp page. You can set up your Google page. There's a lot of things you can do organically to make it easier. So when you start, you know, interviewing um, potential customers, right, where they purchase from you, right, they type your name in, they type your company's name in, and there's social proof there that they see like, hey, this is a legit business. I'm seeing all this other stuff pop up. But I don't want to negate the fact that like you need to do this concurrently while you are driving sales. So again, getting in front of customers, closing hard deals, all right? And the last thing I want to say about this process is you got to you, you gotta stay in the fight. And it's going to be disheartening at first because when you first start really, really getting out there and trying to close sales, you, you might not, it might not be what you think it is. So you might think you're going after one particular vertical. So in my case, when I started my podcast agency, I thought I was going after incubators and accelerators, and that's who I was approaching but I wasn't necessarily closing them, right? But because I had enough wherewithal from my time as an entrepreneur, a lot of lessons I learned with Ironbound Boxing, instead of trying to force a round peg into a square hole, I started to look at other verticals and opportunities where I felt like I, I was uniquely positioned to drive, um, where I was other verticals, I was uniquely positioned to serve. So I had a university reach out to me. Technically, it wasn't an incubator, and accelerator, but that was a good thing. And then mainly, I started to get a lot of traction with better known small businesses, right? So that's academy grads. And that was when I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a hard pivot and I'm going to focus on uh, 
serving uh, veteran-owned small businesses. And once you start to do that, right, then you're going to start to fall out of love with like your additional plan and strategy and just turn, just start to look at what the market is telling you. And don't be afraid to just plant that brand flag in the ground and say, this is who I serve, right? So in the case of the Guatemala example I gave for you, right, for Katina, I would be like, hey, we're the DMV's number one source of Guatemalan coffee. And then even in that, I would say target a vertical where people are going to be spending money on a consistent basis and have the money to do so. So in her example, I was telling her, look for, you know, she wants to get, I think her, her example was she wants to bring in like at least five to $10,000 a month from a company. So I was like, okay, well, we need to target, you know, companies in the DMV that are looking for Guatemalan coffee that have a budget above or bringing in revenue upwards of a million dollars a year, you know, probably even around like $2 million a year if they can afford high quality premium coffee, because you also want those repeatable customers, people that are going to come back for a product-based business. And the same thing I would even argue for a service-based business, because you want them to come back to you and evangelize what it is to work with you. That way they, they serve as a core, as a source of constant referral. So how do we facilitate that? And that is gets back into like our perfect customer, right? That's really what we want to go for, right? When you're starting out, you know, you're learning. You, you think you have someone who's your perfect customer. You're not sure yet. But once they start paying you, once you start working with them, then you have a better understanding. And this is important to think about. Your perfect customer is someone who loves you, is willing to pay you a premium for your products or services, and tell everyone how amazing you are. So they serve as a constant stream of referrals. And this is another piece is you want them to make you enjoy being an entrepreneur, not someone who drains you. You're like, oh, my gosh, I always feel like I'm having to jump through hoops. I never want to work with this client again. No, we don't want that. We want a perfect customer. So if you haven't taken the time to build out this perfect customer avatar, really, you should do that. Right. Like, honestly, like right after the, the think marketing first. Right. We're looking for opportunities where people are already spending money. The next thing you should do is like map out that perfect customer and make sure that your products or services are aligning with what they can afford to spend. So if you're selling, uh, let's say you're selling, a, a, I don't know, $5,000 coffee again, right? If someone is like a small business owner that's making less than $100,000 a year, they probably can't afford to spend $5,000 a month. Matter of fact, I know they can't afford to spend $5,000 a month on coffee. So that is just a bad matchup, right? So once you know that, boom, take it out, right? Don't even consider it. Only focus on those customers that you feel uh, meet your perfect customer uh, persona. And here's the cool thing about this, though. When you have that perfect customer, and again, think about relationships, people that are already within your network, uh, people that you know there's a list out there that they are a part of. So if it's part of a mastermind group or uh, an association or something, right? Where can you find this group of perfect customers congregated together, right? Maybe it's a conference or something, right? Because that's just going to make it easier on your marketing front, right? Because now instead of spraying and praying on the internet, you're going to go look up your list of perfect customers and you're going to start figuring out, okay, how do I get in front of them? How can I reach out to them? How can I figure out ways to help them? And then you just kind of put them down on your list and then you go out there and you get after it, right? That's what you want to go for. You want to simplify things and just go out there and just start getting those perfect customers, start getting those perfect customers, start um, creating marketing assets, highlighting these perfect customers after they become 
your uh, your clients and your customers. And then you want to create this network effect to where, you know, you're known as the company that serves this particular niche to this particular um, demographic. You charge this particular price point and you just make it so much easier for people to evangelize your offerings and you make it easier um, to drive revenue. So you want to have a whole process mapped out. And I'm going to talk about this on a, in a future episode of what does that customer activation cycle look like? So I kind of hinted at it with the Donner Miller thing, but there's a easy, there's a whole process you can do to map it out, right? Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to jump on a Zoom call with someone and let's say you're a product-based business and you're doing B2B and they're like, well, how does this work, right? You want to have an answer to that right off the bat. And you want to make sure your team has an answer to that right off the bat, right? Don't think about it. Don't overguess it. Have a three-step process. Boom, boom, boom purchase one of our three packages, et cetera. And then we go from there, right? Just map out that process. So you're, you're a lot more confident. Also on a previous episode, I think it was advice for launching a new venture. I've said this before. I'm a fan of the rule of three, one product or service delivered to one target market or perfect customer, which actually go hand in hand and one main distribution channel, right? Rule of three. So what does that look like? That could be LinkedIn, it's uh, uh, your main distribution channel. Your perfect customer are small businesses in the DMV area that are looking for high quality Guatemalan coffee and have a, a revenue of over $2 million a year, right? One perfect customer, one target market, and then one distribution channel. And you're just doing hard reach outs on LinkedIn. But I wouldn't even do hard reach outs. I would look in my network and say, okay, who has a relationship with this business in the DMV area. Can you introduce me? Right. Or I will look at my alumni network from college and say, okay, who lives in the DMV area, who works at these companies, et cetera. Right. That's a way to work it out. So in closing, your first hundred is about flipping your sales funnel, excuse me, flipping your sales funnel upside down and going out there and doing hard sales to your perfect customer or your ideal perfect customer that is going to come from some kind of relationships you've already built because people do business with people they like, know, and trust. And I want you to look for spaces, communities, clients that have a reason to already like, know, and trust you because of some kind of tactical advantage you have, some kind of moat that you've built around your business to say, hey, this person is trustworthy, right? You're the guy or the gal, right? You need to go to this person, right? I always like to joke about, I know a guy, right? Or I know a gal. That's what you want to have happen, okay? And you want to identify these opportunities where they're already spending money to solve the problem, right? So they're actively out there. There's already demand. They're already spending money. They're just looking for something a little better, something a little more efficient, or even something a little more niche, okay? And as you're driving these sales, you have a process to make it easy for people to do business with you. Don't punt. Make it easy for them to do business with you by mapping out that process, okay? Now, once you close them, you want to create evangelists, all right? You want to learn from them. You want to super serve this niche. You really want to super serve these first 10 customers. You want to go above and beyond. And then as you're continuing this process of selling, you're creating marketing assets from your existing clients and customers, highlighting them, talking about them, putting them in a blog post, Maybe you're getting them on a podcast, creating a video with them, doing something with them. But you're doing this concurrently as you're driving revenue, right? 
Drive the revenue first, close the deal, create a marketing asset. Drive the revenue, create a marketing asset, okay? And just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. And work your way all the way up to those first um, 100 customers. And this works for product-based businesses. This works for service-based businesses. And there's even a way to find channel partners that are already serving the niche that you're going after, right? Now, again, if you go after a channel partner, what I like to call a Trojan horse, right? They already serving that client, that they're, that dream client of yours. Maybe you'll be able to work in under them. Maybe they're a wholesale partner or something. They're going to take a lot of margin from you. But this is another way to get your product and get your services in the hand of customers um, who need that. And then as you go that way, just go. That's all you're focusing on. Closing deals, create marketing assets at a closed deal. That's going to work you to your first 100 customers. All right? So when you're starting out, listen, you're out there. You're in the VIR. You're in the WeWork. Maybe you're working from home, whatever, and it's a Monday morning and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You're supposed to find people that are looking for what you have to offer and already spending money on and you just need to focus on sales, right? Not random social media posts, not all this random stuff, right? We need to get out there and we need to close deals. And I just want you to do this over and over and over until you get comfortable selling and you have that feedback loop. Hope this podcast episode was helpful to you all. This is my first pass taking it. This is my first time um, recording an episode on uh, how to close your first hundred customers. And I'm hoping I can get a blog post out about this or at the very least a newsletter because this stuff is super important. And it's a, I, I know we don't do the best job of, and by us, not just bunker lives, I just mean in general, right. In the entrepreneurial space, right. We get all hyped up about creating bitch pitch decks and business plans and pitching our ventures, our elevator pitch. But when it comes time to that go to market, those first 10 and those first 100, you know, I want to create a lot of resources out there to support the Bunker Labs community to be able to do that. So hope this episode was helpful. Again, I got a book recommendation for you. Um, The book recommendation is uh, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And I also want you to check out Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. And he says, selling is about ruthless, pig-headed discipline, and determination. It's not the sexiest thing in the world at times, but I want you to learn how to enjoy selling because if you can learn how to enjoy selling, you're gonna be able to drive revenue in your business. When you drive revenue in your business, you're gonna make it real, you're gonna make it sustainable, and you're gonna make something that you're proud of. So get out there, keep selling, go get those first 10, then get those first 100 customers and let me know how you're doing. I hope this podcast was super helpful for you all out there. And I look forward to hearing your feedback on how you plan to execute your own go-to-market strategy, get those first 100 customers. But in the meantime, do me a favor and make sure you subscribe to the Transition Podcast and newsletter at the link below on Substack, as well as your favorite podcast hosting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, whatever listening to today. I release a newsletter at least once a week, so you can leave a comment about each episode on Substack. And if you have any questions about your own venture, be sure to post that as well. I'm always looking for content and would love to learn about what you all are struggling with in your own ventures. And if you would like to submit an article to be featured in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org. If you want to get plugged into the Bunker Lab ecosystem, make sure you visit bunkerlab.org and select the city nearest to you. From there, sign up for a local newsletter and attend one of our networking events. It's that simple. We have programs that'll take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. Register today by clicking connect at bunkerlabs.org. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.